0: the hammer! No, you're not!
1: Hello, and welcome to Dropping the Hammer with Dan McFadden. I'm Dan McFadden, uh, and with me, as always, is my co-host, uh, James Crow. Say hi, James.
2: How's it going, everybody?
1: <laughs> and uh, with this show coming out after the historical uh bristol dirt race over the last weekend we i wanted to have someone who was uh at bristol and uh with us this week is a friend of mine jacob Seelman of speedsport.com slash magazine how are you doing jacob
0: Not bad. Um, I'm still finding dirt a couple days later in places that I didn't know dirt could get. Thank you, Bristol. But uh, thank you, Bristol, because that was an absolute blast there. I've done a lot of things in eight years in the industry. And I can say with complete certainty, there are a few things that I've done that rival what happened on Monday. That was a it, it wasn't perfect no but what it was was a lot of really good things that i think they have to build on and i can say i for one had a ton of fun um, i'm excited for, for 22 already to get here and, and try it again and see uh, you know see some of the things that they do to make it better but uh, i'm just kind of i'm just going to soak it in you know other than yeah. the, that's the first race i've been to this year
1: oh really okay yeah. Yeah. What, what a way to kick it off huh
0: <laughs> yeah exactly did 500 and did bristol so regardless i can say i've done the two biggest things all year which I'm- and
1: they were both rain delayed
0: <laughs> you didn't have to bring that part up so i think the
1: con factor is you that's it right
0: uh do you really do, is it now i know you had uh, matt weaver on recently so instead of blame weaver it's now blame sealman is that how this works
1: in 2021, it's the year of Sealman, <laughs> Sealman and Rain. Um, so, uh, I guess first off, before, before we get into this, Jacob, give our give our listeners just a little bit of, of background on you. Like, how, how long have you been with Speed Sport and how'd you get there?
0: So, I'm actually, uh, it's funny, I just crossed my third anniversary. So, I guess we're officially now, as the end of March, starting year four with uh, Speed Sport and the sister company, Sprint Car and Vintage Magazine. So, um, kind of split my time between both of those. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I, I think I've definitely learned a lot. I've been in the industry as a whole for now uh, going, you know, starting year nine, that makes me feel, old. wow. Um, you know, the first five years uh, of writing, I more or less did, kind of did it myself, just tried to push content to, to get an opportunity. And, uh, you know, eventually just kept pounding the path until things worked out. I mean, you know, to, to be able to, I, I kind of, I guess you'd say, uh, shot, shot the shot to try and get an opportunity. You know, Speedsport sport had kind of indicated maybe about the time that I reached out that they were looking, you know, looking for a potential situation and, you know, things have just kind of grown over the last couple of years. And I think I found a really good home in the industry, at least some are that I feel extremely comfortable with. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where I don't just want to be there to be there and move on. I want to be, mm-hmm. be there and, you know, make it bigger and and make it better than what it was when I got there. And I feel like we're on that path. And, you know, they, they always say, and I know it's cliche, but they say if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I feel like that's what yeah. I've been doing for years. I absolutely love it there, love the people there. And, you know, being able to work in this sport was my dream from the time I knew any better. So, you know, we're doing okay. it
1: all right so before monday how, how much dirt racing have you covered
0: a good bit so um obviously with sprint car midget underneath the bigger company brand with speed sport um i've done a lot of world of outlaw sprint car stuff a lot of all-star sprint car stuff um over the last couple of years and um my family history my granddad ran sprint cars and super modifieds back in the in the 70s and 80s before i was born but you know enough to where as i was growing up i had a lot of appreciation for that side of the sport as well not just the nascar side so you know for me dirt racing has always been something that i've been really passionate about covering um the chili bowl nationals on the midget side has been something that i've really kind of you know made a little bit of a home for myself with coverage of the last couple of years I've done that event since 2018 but you know, enough to where I definitely knew that it probably wasn't going to be 100% right year one at Bristol I, I knew obviously they had done the World of Outlaws stuff 2000-2001 and yeah. you can see some video of that I, I knew it was going to be different than that and I knew it probably wasn't going to be what all the Dirt Faithful expected it to be but at the end of the day, it was probably about what I expected it to be. That okay. track, for the most part, slicked off like we thought it was going to. Um, heavy stock cars kind of, you know, do do a little bit of a number on a dirt track, like I expected, and it got a little dusty. Like
1: I <laughs> yes, expected. it did. So, so, you know. so okay. So when, like, I said, you know, I said last week when you know when 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 the trucks went to Eldora, like I thought it would be inevitable that the cup series would be on dirt at some point. Um, and then, then they, then they dropped that on us, you know, they announced that last year. So when, like, what was your initial reaction when they announced they were the cup was going to be on dirt at Bristol, which isn't a traditional dirt track.
0: So it, my, my initial reaction was kind of in two parts, to be honest with you. And, uh, definitely there, there are portions of said reactions that are, I've, will not say out loud here because it's probably not necessarily family friendly. Um, But needless to say, one, I was really excited. And two, it was something to the effect of, wait, we're going to Bristol and doing dirt, like dirt and the cup series computed because I really did. Like you said, I believed that it was inevitable that eventually this would happen. But at Bristol, (laughs) that, that to me, I, was not something I expected. And I don't know that it was something much of anybody really expected. I figured we would take these guys to a purpose dirt track, you know, somewhere like a Knoxville or a Port Royal up in Pennsylvania that's got the infrastructure, or even one of the dirt miles at uh, Springfield and DuCoin, like what the Arca Arca Menards series does, you know, somewhere that it would make sense more than bringing in dirt, Putting it down on Bristol and going—that to me, you know, from day one, that kind of had the recipe for well, I can think of about 50 ways this could go wrong. But for all intents and purposes, I—I I thought they did, you know, better than anticipated in a lot of respects. Like I said, it wasn't perfect. There was dust. There were some issues. Mother Nature did us yeah. no favors at all. But. You know, when it comes down to it, they they made the best lemonade they could out of a situation that kept chucking lemons at, at SMI and NASCAR for three days. Um, and I again, something to build off of. So for me, my, yeah, my my initial reaction was, why are we going to Bristol when there's a lot of great dirt tracks yeah. over in the country? But
1: just, and, and SMI owns dirt tracks. Like the, 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 there's yeah. the there's the they have the but, Charlotte track, um, and then they have las vegas dirt track
0: (laughs) yeah well they've got charlotte they've got vegas they've got the half mile there at texas on the property um you know there's multiple different options that i I could think of it's like we're laying here down bristol okay um but when you consider the seating and obviously i yeah i know they haven't said this out loud but i honestly believe the the framework for this may have been in place pre-pandemic that this was already an idea that was being kicked down the line before everything stopped because you consider how many people you can pack into Bristol. And they sold, I I think the estimated number I saw for tickets was 36,000, I think for Monday, roughly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what, yeah. Um, uh, Marcus Smith said on the Dale junior download that 36,000 tickets were sold. And also that at the time of him recording the Dale junior download, 5,000 tickets had already been renewed. So, uh, and they, they, I mean, I, I, Crow, what would what, you? I don't know what you thought of like the the, the crowd size, but I mean that if that if it, if all thirty six thousand people were there, uh, it looked like a lot of people. I mean they were they were they were spread out, uh, but I, I was impressed by the number of people who <laughs> stuck around, um, to, to to come back on a Monday, um in the midst of really terrible flooding in the area so
0: i, I really believe on that daniel that it was a case of people you know people wanted to see history i feel like people wanted to see this race because they wanted to see what would happen nobody knew going into this what was going to happen and, and i was just as surprised as you were you know being at the track looking out from the press box in three and four and going man there really are a lot of people here um even spread out With 140,000 or whatever it is nowadays seats at Bristol, you could still tell there was a lot of people. It was easily, you know, I think probably the biggest crowd we've had since the pandemic started last year. And it was a really good feeling. You know, just the vibe. I actually had stepped down a level to... the level there where the sins are right underneath the the press box at one point during the weekend and you know you could just feel some of that ambiance that uh, that energy back having the crowd that we did have there and you know i think it was a great thing i like you i was i was i guess pleasantly surprised i'll say by the amount of people that that stayed on a monday i know sometimes that's a that's a hard thing but I tend to think maybe we'll get more of that going forward because you consider it's been so tough to get people to the racetrack because of the pandemic restrictions. It almost makes me think that going forward, we're going to see a better, you know, better crowds and stuff like that, because it may give a lot of people in, this, in the sport and around the industry a new appreciation for, for what we've got once we can get it back to capacity crowds and get closer to normal here, hopefully over the next couple of months.
1: Yeah, just I think there's definitely going to be like a honeymoon phase. Yeah. Um um so like yeah, I think after you know a season of basically no crowds my my depth perception on what will constitute a good crowd um just going off an eye test is com- completely out of whack now. So I, I once we're like oh everyone can come back I'm like is is this a good crowd is it i i I don't remember anymore so um so crow uh give us your thoughts on the first uh nascar cup
2: uh dirt race in 51 years well on the subject of crowd size um if it hadn't been a you know decent crowd size at least it would have been hidden by all the dust (laughs) not wrong he is not wrong all right no it it was it was a really good time um you know had to wait a few days um and i'm really bummed that we didn't get the heat races for the truck race yeah. um i yeah i really like the idea of heat racing for just in general with racing um but it's sort of a staple of dirt truck racing at least what i'm used to so the, i was a little bummed that we didn't get that um, i would like to see that with the um cup series and if they if we do another if the Xfinity race um series races on dirt next year I'd like to see it there um but no overall it was really good um it was uh chaotic and and, uh I I forget what you texted me back Daniel oh yeah, yeah when uh you know Bill and Larson crashed it's like I think you believe I believe you texted me it's like anyone's race now I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, 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 okay. J- Jacob, correct me if, if you
1: think I'm wrong, but th- this, the, the, the Bristol dirt race is not a dirt race intended for people who are used to dirt racing.
0: Yes, That that is probably the most accurate description I could come up with. This is not a normal dirt race. This is not a dirt fans dirt race. This is a dirt race where I don't want to say you completely turn normal upside down and just throw it in the trash bin, but more or less, you kind of turn it upside down and throw it in the trash bin. It's not much of traditional dirt racing applies when you consider you're putting You know, 3,400 pound heavy stock cars on a racetrack and turn it on loose for about, in this case, what I'd consider about 50 laps longer than maybe a a a dirt race probably should be. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say that at some point. I think they could lop off 50 laps. I I think a two I think a 200 lap race would work a little bit better. Do two 75 lap stages and then a final 70 lap stage. If that that's my math.
2: I yeah, would be fine with the 250, but I think they should have, um, instead of the competition cautions, they should have just, just done five stages, 50 laps each.
1: Well, uh, yeah, then, but then you, you yeah, you, they, they, they want, for the most part, all the races to be, except for like the Coke 600, they want all the, the, the points distribution to be equal. Across yeah. all well, the races. Well, the maybe knee-
2: maybe you still have three stages, but the two the two competition conscious just treat them at the end of a stage. Park everybody, um, you know, let them do what they're going to do. Go do yourself on the track, you know. Okay,
1: uh, that, that that could work, but like like you know like as you, like as you brought up Crow, like Bell got taken out early. Larson became a n- non factor. I think he was what involved in three wrecks. That's a- I had
0: t- I had him in two.
1: Okay, but like, but by the end of the race, his car looks like what a car would have looked like at Bristol 20 years ago yeah. <laughs> before the damaged vehicle policy. I did have um, a little nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I definitely did. Um, but like, no, no one except for Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who finishing second, like, none of the dirt guys, none of the dirt ringers who are in this race. Really contributed to 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 the show. Um,
0: no, you're right. Although I will say, don't don't completely discount Ryan Newman. Newman had dirt experience okay. that I don't think a lot of people thought of between his midget days and uh, some of his uh, USAC Silver Crown days. So I, I wouldn't totally count Newman out of the, that equation, finishing fifth. But I oh like, no, no, you're you're right. I mean, yeah, you're. Right. I thought about that like over the
1: up up until you know going to the race. Like he had that that midget background and stuff like that so i I definitely think that contributed to what he was able to do and he like he finished fifth after he spun early like he 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 had his own incident came back charged up to the field and i for a while there i thought it was going to come down to like suarez and newman i thought that's the way things were going to settle out but then uh joey logano comes out of nowhere (laughs) like no one no one had joey logano winning this race no one
0: No. no I think everybody had to either bell or Larson winning this race because of their vast amount of experience and what they did. And when, you know, of course it's ironic. They go out in the same crash and, uh, like, and like, like, Crow said to you, it's anyone's race now. Um, and, and that was really the case. I, I didn't have Joey Logano coming up through there and being a contender. Although I give him credit. He spent a lot of time running a bottom fight between February to now to get enough knowledge to be dangerous in that race. Uh, you know, I definitely didn't have Daniel Suarez coming and being in this mix, but I think, to me, that shows the infrastructure that Trackhouse has put together in you know, just mm. in such a short time to turn that team into a contender, and I don't think you, I, I don't think that's going to be the end of what we see out of that 99, but you're right. Uh, the other dirt ringers, yeah, I thought Stuart Friesen, would be able to do a whole lot more with the Spire opportunity than what he did, and he was pretty much a non-factor. I think ended up a lap down in like twenty-third, twenty-fourth place at the end of it. Um, Chris Windham, I don't think we'll ever really know what he might have been able to do. Mm-hmm. The engine go south on him pretty early. Shane Golovic was involved in that very first crash that uh, took out Anthony Alfredo and Eric Almirola, and what a nas- what a nasty hit for. For Almerola too. I, I don't know that I've seen a hit like that at Bristol even on the concrete in several years.
1: Well, actually, I, I mean, I I thought watching most of the race that the accidents looked to me like accidents you would have seen on pavement. Yeah, that, I know. That, that to me is like also like this. This is really just playing out how a normal race would have. Um, like, um, just everyone's
2: sideways more. Yeah, um, I, th- and- I think the uh, the Lessened speed was upset by the lack of braking ability.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that from Crow. He's got a good point there.
2: So
1: oh no yeah I, I I should ask um I don't think anyone asked asked anybody like, hey, how how was the braking out there? So that, that that's something that if I ever get the chance I will ask someone. What was it like breaking at Bristol in the dirt? So but um so at one point, okay, when we got to the dust cloud over bristol and we're going to a single file restart for the first time since i don't know like 2005 i think it was or 2000 before 2010 i'm pretty sure so it's been a while like i I wasn't sure what was why they were doing it but then like people explained especially like stenhouse and his post-race availability like that's something that, that that you do on dirt when yep. the track conditions aren't great is you go to single file restarts. It's like, oh, oh, oh okay, okay, fine, all right.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, and I can explain actually a little further on on what Stenhouse said. Um, so the reason for that is basically twofold. Either one, where you have visibility issues for a double file restart, which is some of what we saw, and the other time it really comes into play is if you have a uh, you know, track conditions where one lane has taken rubber and it's really dominant compared to, you know, whether, whether that's the inside lane taking rubber and being really fast or the outside lane taking rubber and being really fast. Uh, if you've got one dominant lane, more often than not, they'll go to single-file restarts to uh, okay. so as to not disadvantage wh- whichever is the non-dominant lane on a double-file restart. Hmm, Okay. And I think we- I think we did have some of that in Sunday's race, particularly the last about 75 laps. I think the bottom lane, uh, you know, right against that inside berm, really started to take some rubber. Um, instead of just being that black, shiny, slicked off, that shine started to go away. The rubber started to lay down more, and that bottom lane, you know, it was just—you saw it with Denny Hamlin the last couple of restarts. It was just so long, and there was so little grip around that outside lane. You just couldn't make up the speed. Um, that that inside lane had with the rubber. So I, I do think that also played into it somewhat. Stenhouse said he was one of the ones over the radio that was pushing for them to go to single file as they ultimately did.
1: Okay. So so around that time, you, 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 you sent out a tweet into the universe saying we were now in 2008 Indy or Brickyard 400 territory and i like, no. No, this is not even close. Why did you, why, why did you tweet that? Why did you think we were in that territory?
0: So... There was part. Uh, if if I could have that one back, I would change. I, I would adjust the wording to soften it a little bit. Okay. But it's one of those where I was so taken aback by the fact that we were actually going into the changing. You know, I'm used to it in dirt track racing having to change things on the fly sometimes. But NASCAR oh. through the years has proven to be so structured, so almost set in their ways, if you will that I I was completely taken aback when they actually decided to do what I really believed they should have done and, and gone to the single file restarts. Obviously we were having, that was right after the point where I think we had either two or three um, back-to-back cautions as well for incidents that were some visibility issues where at the, at the moment that I sent that tweet out, I really did not envision the race getting any better. I felt at that point that it was only going to go downhill from there. And this is one of those times where I've never been so glad to send a tweet out into the universe and be wrong, or at least partially <laughs> wrong, because they did the best job that they could during that last break of adding water, you know, more water than they had all day to the racetrack to somewhat mitigate. The, it didn't totally mitigate the dust. But it somewhat mitigated the dust, made at least the you know both lanes a little closer to even for a little bit. And I think set us up with some decent racing that I wasn't genuinely sure that we were going to get during that final stage. I honestly, at, at the point I sent that tweet out, I honestly believed the track had kind of gotten to the point of no return where there was no amount of water or track prep that was going to save it from being a complete mess. During the last stage, because I've seen this play out with longer distance dirt races before where the track just gets to a point where you have it's either single file, single groove, or it's single file, single groove and people get so impatient that they just start running people over to try and make positions and at that point then it's it's a bit of a disaster even if that is uh, kind of what old bristol was for so many years. So I I will say you know I'm not afraid to stand up and say when I'm wrong and I don't feel like I was totally wrong on that but I was wrong enough that the, the that last 50 laps was genuinely better than what I was prepared, you know, in my mind for it to be.
1: So yeah, just just for reference for everyone who's listening, the the Two thousand eight Breakyard of four hundred was a just a complete disaster of a race because they had to throw a caution like what was it, every ten laps or something like they had to throw a caution every ten laps.
0: The tires just would not hold up.
1: Yeah, they they brought a bad tire. They apparently like there wasn't good good enough testing, and so yeah, they were throwing cautions every ten laps, and that that was the race that kind of like sent the brakeyard into a death a death spiral um but uh yeah so thankfully it didn't turn into that kind of scenario but
0: uh, i do want to add to that if i can for a second because um with the way the track had started to rubber up at that point daniel i was also a little bit concerned that we were going to get to the point where we were going to start blowing out right rears because when rubber when rubber adheres itself to dirt like we saw Uh, In the second half of that race and you see the track get really black. It also makes the track even more abrasive than what just the normal dirt surface would be when it's slicked off. And we saw, you know, we saw some of the, the tire wear issues going back to practice on Friday that was the whole reason they changed up the format into five lap segments in the first place. So I just, you know, I I probably should have waited on that tweet to be honest uh, and I'll, I'll say that straight up, but I, I just, I did, I had visions of of the the last part of that race going really bad, really quick and the potential for some tire failures. And like I said, I've never been so glad to be wrong about a tweet because I think we ended up with just about the the most competitive ending we probably could have.
1: Oh, no, like we, yeah, in that last stretch, we had that battle between Hamelin and Logano that really looked like a battle you would get at Bristol on pavement, side, side by side, arching the corners, tr- tr- you know, diving down in, trying to get by him, and it... it it, it, it was exciting to watch and like those were two guys I was not expecting to be in that position
0: so I, I wasn't expecting either of them to be in posi- in that position either and I think what made it better not just that it was at Bristol but it was two guys battling at Bristol that have history together yeah whom, uh, th- those two have kind of had their wars in the past
1: La- last year this, in this race and I, I've had it hilarious you know afterwards you know someone asked Tamlin why did you just put the why didn't you put the bumper to Legano he's like I don't race like that and i'm like martinsville like 2017 would like to have a word with you or what, whatever year that was yeah. that he, he spun chase elliott yeah. with like two to go It's like i don't yep. is this the same Den, denny hamlin what, what, what's going on here so <laughs> but i mean i'm i'm i was really surprised that like he he said over his radio coming up to the final restart that like i'm i'm something to the effect of, you know, t- tell his spotter I'm coming. And then he just arched it off into the corner instead and didn't do anything. It's like, come on. um. So, uh. but no, it was overall, I thoroughly enjoyed that race on Monday. It was incredible t- to watch a surreal to watch, you know, fr- Friday's practice sessions where I've never been excited to watch a practice session before, but there, there we were for, you know four different practice sessions two two and cup and two in truck and it was just fun to watch um because i mean that was our first non-speedway practice session of any sort yep. since march of last year so at phoenix so um and we're not going to get it again until
0: Coda in may i think right C- Coda,
1: yeah yeah so um i'm looking forward to that practice session too so um i so during the final stage break, they announced that they're they're, they're doing this again next year. Um, and then uh, Steve O'Donnell, who's the chief racing development officer for NASCAR, you know, said that we're we we intend to do this in twenty two thousand two and beyond. So um, I I say the they got what at least two years left in them for this at least.
0: I you know what I would say. I, I I see this for sure going through at least 2023, and if they continue to learn and continue to make it better over the next couple of years, I genuinely I can envision this becoming an annual event. I truly can because I think the excitement factor is there, the unpredictability factor is there, and once you know, once you hit on this, once you get it right. It's it's gonna yeah. be really good. It's gonna open it up to that mix between guys you expect to be up there with the dirt experience, guys you don't expect to be up there that don't have dirt experience. It's you know it's I think this race has the potential to become a crown jewel of the Cup Series, provided and they keep it on the schedule and continue to build it you know for years to come. I I really feel that strongly about the diamond in the rough i think that they've hit on with this concept and i hope, and, i, I, I want to add to that that i hope they don't duplicate that you know i, I don't want to see two three four dirt races on the schedule no nearly but i think if, if you do one you make it an event and you make yeah. it yeah you know that to me is what this is about
1: well i i want them to do what I want them to do with the championship race. I want them to move the championship race around. I think give Bristol three years, and then see what dirt on Martinsville looks like. That that would be. <laughs>
0: oh, wow, I'm not. You know, I'm not sure Martin. I mean, I know we've got some flat dirt tracks. I don't know that Martin. I think Martinsville is almost too flat to be able to pull that off. Really? So, um, part yeah. Part of the thing with with dirt tracks that that makes it work is you've got to have enough banking to be able to hold the cars more or less um because you're not going as fast necessarily as you would be at a you know say a new hampshire or a phoenix when you're running on the pavement Uh, because the speeds come down somewhat the lack of bank the it kind of exacerbates the lack of banking so i almost i almost think of martinsville if you try dirt you're already only you know only averaging what 80 90 miles an hour at martinsville you back that down to you know, 65 or 70 and i i would wonder if it would be, still be enough to be to be feasible there hmm. um, you know it being that flat but uh i you know i think richmond would be interesting richmond richmond's got enough banking i think that could be interesting
1: that, that's a, that'd be a lot of dirt because they have they have the fantasy track on nascar heat um where it's richmond covered in dirt and it was always really hard for me. So, um, uh, but I, I, I want to see them share it. And I, I know Speedway Motorsports probably doesn't want to share it. So, but um, I would like to see it, you know, just every three years or so, go,
2: go to a new place. Um, I would but, like um, to see one more dirt race in the playoffs.
0: Okay Crow, you're you're asking a lot there. I I don't know I love I love where it's at early in the season as a wild card to give somebody a shot. I don't know that I would want to see that help, you know, determine who moves on for a championship being around.
2: I mean, I am thinking a few years from now, you know, not immediately, but I don't know. I like the idea of like at some point in the playoffs you just have series of the different track types
1: well i mean like right right now the the playoffs are very representative of the tracks that they go to throughout the throughout the year except for a dirt track i mean you you got you got the roval in there you got a super speedway you got bristol you got some flat tracks like phoenix was the championship race you got martinsville darlington darlington you got two 1.5 mile tracks in in the round of eight which i don't like
0: (laughs) i I would like to see i would want to i would love to see kansas at some point come back to the uh come back to the round of 12 like it was several years ago um kind of spread those out between kansas and texas a little bit i've i've wasn't necessarily a proponent of those two tracks being in the same round when it first happened
1: so, yeah, but, like, like I believe the playoffs should be representative of the season, so but I don't know what you do with a dirt race, whether maybe one year you just make the Bristol Night Race the dirt race, just swap them for one year or something like that, uh, which, I mean, well, if, if, if they've learned their lessons from this year, next year's dirt race will probably be at night.
0: Be at night, yes. It- so,
1: which, I mean, three million people tuned in
0: for the race Monday, which... That really surprised me that <laughs> so. was impressive to me um and i i want i'm trying to remember the exact stat i saw it somewhere it was like the second highest rated monday race <laughs> since what like 2014 or 16 said so i don't know it was like five or at least five or six years it was the second highest rated monday uh cup series event
1: which well to
0: me i thought was really representative
1: well, I, I just like I, I was ticked off that the race they were airing the race at three before for an event that Fox asked for. We want this dirt race. So but sorry, it's Monday. We have to show um, America's Most Wanted in an episode of 9 We one we, Those take precedence over this sporting event that we specifically asked for. Um, they also I,
2: changed the Truck Series race time at the last minute, too. Yeah, um, but a
1: well, uh, positive thing for the trucks. I, I think more people got to watch the truck race in person than would have uh, pr- probably been the case had they the race gone off without a hitch on Saturday. Um, oh, for sure. Uh,
2: I just know a few people missed the Truck Series race that were looking forward to it um, because yeah. of that.
1: Yeah, yeah that that no- <laughs> yeah that noon start time that that sucked. I, like they they go from being pushed back to what 8 p.m. Sunday and then no nine nine,
0: nine o'clock Sunday night to noon on Monday
1: yeah so so, but but at least they, they got to keep the the thing of the cup drivers who were in the truck race getting to do that truck race to get that experience rather than doing the cup race and then going to the truck race right so at least that was intact
0: yes which which I that that ended up working out well I think that was a good call Martin Truex winning that race was not what I expected either. No, <laughs> then it's the KBM 51, and why should you ever bet against the KBM 51, right? But no, like that was like his first official dirt race yeah.
1: ever. Like he he said he did like charity races and stuff, but that was like his first actual legitimate dirt race. Like, and he just he took the lead on the last lap of the first stage, and it was That's his.
0: Pretty much it, yeah. yeah. what
1: what uh, one thing I, I I really do like is that Truex. Doing these one that one-off Xfinity race in Atlanta and almost just cleaning everyone's clock before he kept speeding Pidy doing that and then doing this truck race and just cleaning everyone's clock I've re- I think really showcased how good of a driver Martin Truex Jr is that I, I think Mike gets overlooked I mean a lot of his wins have come you know in the last four four years and um, but I think this really showed that he's a very adaptable driver um at this point in his career
0: yeah i agree i it's funny uh, his crew chief cup crew chief james small said that he martin told him earlier in the week he felt like he missed his calling as a, as a dirt track driver but uh, no I, I i do think uh, that he's overlooked sometimes as one of the better drivers of the generation i mean he's got the championship he's you know he came on late but has come on very strong and i i sense a different confidence about him this year compared to last year i think they've finally figured out this no practice thing and how it works for him and what they need to do to be able to give him some good race cars. And I think you'll see more of this out of that 19 team going forward. I know they weren't necessarily a a big threat last year. I think that changes as we get into the summer.
2: Okay.
1: All right. I think that closes the book for now on Bristol dirt, unless either one of you guys has some lasting impressions from the race.
2: No, I'm just happy that we had it and I'm happy that we're going to have it again. So yes,
1: here, here. All right, Crow. What time is it?
2: It is the. Do, 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 do. McDowell watch. <laughs> yes, it is time
1: for McDowell Watch. All right, our uh, our intrepid Daytona Five Hundred winner, Michael McDowell, uh, finished uh, Monday's race in twelfth, and that's after uh, he was in. An accident in um, on lap one fifty three. That one of those big pileups, um, He was able to avoid a car in front of him at like at the last minute, and instead of damaging his front fender, uh, only damage back. And uh, so after he finished uh, stage one in twenty second, uh, he finished stage two in twentieth before uh, gaining uh, eight spots to twelfth. Um, and since he technically doesn't have uh, a history at uh, Bristol Dirt. It was his best career finish on Bristol Dirt, but it follows him finishing uh, 10th and 14th at Bristol last year on the concrete, and those are his two best finishes there on uh, Bristol concrete. So um, he's now 12th in points. Uh, That's plus one from where he was uh, last week. Uh, He's 144 points behind denny hamlin and as we go to martinsville michael mcdowell does not have any top tens at martinsville ever uh his best finish is 14th and that came in the spring uh he has a grand total of 20 starts on the half mile paperclip uh so jacob what what are your uh thoughts on what mcdowell's been able to do uh through seven races this year
0: i have to say i'm tremendously impressed uh really that he's been able to keep the stability of his runs going. I'm not going to say every week they've been super strong, jump off the page. Wow. There's Michael McDowell sort of runs. But yeah. you know, I, I, when I looked down the final order and realized, you know, here he is coming home with a 12th place. finish. it was like, well, okay. That's, <laughs> this is really good. Um, especially for somebody, another somebody who doesn't really have any dirt experience. Um, you know, I, this has been a about a continued progression for front row, I think. And the fact that we're seeing them now more regularly with that car in the top fifteen. I think, you know, top fifteens right now, if we're talking about that kind of consistency is a really good thing for that 34 team. And as we know, that kind of performance when you get to round one and even somewhat into round two with the wild cards that are there can help you advance from round to round. He may not have the playoff points, but those kind of finishes can be enough if you can avoid the mishaps that tend to befall some of the playoff uh, contenders once we get that far. So I, I like the foundation that they're building. I like where he's at. And I think this is indicative more than anything of how far Front Row Motorsports has come over the past 12 to 18 months. I think they've really taken strides to become... Maybe what I would call a tier two team in the Cup Series, you know, maybe not at the elite level of the Hendricks or the Gibbs or the Stuart Haas's, but on the level where you can see them playing with, say, the uh, you know Wood Brothers or you know the, that back end that 15th to 20th in points, you know, where you can knock on the fringes of, mm-hmm. of a playoff berth if, if things go right. I feel like that's where they've gotten to, and I, I don't think. You can understate that. That's really important.
1: Like this was his best finish since uh, Homestead. He finished sixth at Homestead. Um, he was seventeenth at Las Vegas. Twenty uh, third at Phoenix. Nineteenth at Atlanta, which I, I recall right was his best career finish at Atlanta. So, um, so twelve and then twelve Monday. So he, he he's he, yeah he hasn't been flashy ever since Homestead. Um, but yeah, that's that's a a finish that you know that team could use, but he does, he does need to get some stage points at some point um, between in the, in the season. Um, because if you you don't, you're not really, I and mean, I'm not expecting him to get playoff points, um, but um, yeah, he's got to be cap some mid race runs. Um, I mean, I know it's, that that's harder, you know, they don't have practice or anything like that. Um, but yeah, going forward, they, they, they really need to, Show, show show some flashes here and there
0: yeah no I agree I, I I do agree on that but you know they're they're working towards that I feel like
1: okay all right Martinsville time uh, so some news got dropped on us today uh crow. Um. That uh, tomorrow it's tomorrow, right, Jacob?
0: Um. Yes, tomorrow. Thir-
1: thir- tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, NASCAR is holding a special test at Martinsville, uh, with Kyle Larson and Chris Busher, where they're going to test out um some special rain tires to see uh if what if it's feasible to come back quicker from a rain delay and run on a damp track, um. So I think they were inspired in part by how the rain tires performed uh, on the Roval um, last year. So uh, yeah, this this is um, I'm gonna say it kind of kind of weird. Jacob, we're we're gonna do try damp tires on the damp track, um, and I believe this was they tried this once. Back in the '90s with Terry Labonte.
0: I was was gonna say you're a history nerd. You should know this is not entirely new. Nineteen September, nineteen ninety-five. Okay. They had practice rained out on a on the Friday of race weekend, and Goodyear went to Terry Labonte uh, and was like, "You want to try something?" And Terry went out and ran a handful of laps on what was uh, at the time the Goodyear treaded wet weather compound and i think he said later it was like driving on ice like you know Mm -hmm. the tires worked well but i wouldn't want to go any faster than than what i did so um you know it's an interesting concept i'm interested to see how it will work you're right we can't do this in in a in a downpour in a monsoon but if, (laughs) if, if it's a damp track and it can help evacuate the rest of the water to get you know, dry grooves and, you know, get the track back to where you can uh, end up being on slicks quicker. I do think there is a, is a positive out of that. Now, I, I don't think that you can take this to every oval because the, the, the banking at, at speed will just chew up the softer rubber on those rain tires. But at tracks where you're not running huge speeds, a Martinsville, um, Louden I think is flat enough that you could probably get away with it in the right circumstances
1: they, they mentioned Phoenix too and uh, that's what one of the quotes was Phoenix which it doesn't really rain in Phoenix that often um it rained, but
0: uh, it rained uh what last fall at Phoenix or, last fall
1: um
0: no sorry um the the race weekend earlier this year my fault did it I think it delayed the arca race a little bit
1: oh oh okay i I think I remember that okay. Uh, it, that I mean, rain is how Dale Jr. got his last cup win at Phoenix. So
0: <laughs> every once in a while, it does rain in the desert.
1: So, but um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I'd like to watch it. I, and I know every time it feels like you know they bring out the wet tires on the road course. So, someone asks on Twitter, look, ask Bob Pockrest or someone, why why can't why can't we do rain tires on an oval? Well, first off, physics. Um, uh it's a very that just it, no it would not end well so well we're we're uh, going to
0: find out if it's going to end well or not So 24 well less than 24 hours
1: so i mean like usually when they're asking that question they're talking about a big goal or something like that so yeah like i said I'd, I'd like to see it um if they institute that like this year that uh, that's very nimble of of nascar and good you to do something like that yeah. um, which there. I mean,
0: it, it almost makes you want it makes you wonder if this has been something that's been in the works through the off season, because I don't think it's something they could just pull out of their hats and, you know, be ready to go in a week. I feel like this has probably been going on a little bit longer. And this is we're just now hearing about it.
1: So, but yeah, we should, it should be interesting to get results from that. Um, all right. Martinsville itself. Uh, we're, we're on a we're on a bye week this weekend. So we'll be going to, to, to Martinsville next weekend. So uh, the defending winner at, at Martinsville is of course Chase Elliott, uh, but the defending winner of this race, uh, when it was held last on a Wednesday last year, um, was Martin Truex Jr. Uh, and he's he's kind of my uh, my early pick to to go back to back in this race. Um, w- what are your thoughts on the season going into Martinsville so far?
0: Um, my, well, my thoughts on the season are I think we're going to get to eight for eight by the time we're done because of the three guys that i think you need to watch in that race none of them have gone to victory lane yet so which which is shocking when i toss the names out here in a minute that none of the three guys that we're we're ready to talk about have won yet this season but that's just how bizarre (laughs) 2021 has been um i feel like this is going to be a race that rewards the guys that traditionally run well at martinsville we always talked about this track being a veterans race track a track where experience matters and i think that will happen again regardless of the fact that it's going to be a night race three got oh by the way a shameless plug to the modified race thursday night because you you want to talk about what the best race the weekend is going to be that race will be the best race of the weekend why because modifieds and martinsville did, need i say anymore um good old short track racing it's been way too long since modifieds have been there i just wanted to make sure we get that in because i'm all right i'm gonna be up there for that one on thir- next thursday night and i'm really excited about it um cup race though three guys to watch 19 as the defending winner 11 because he's denny hamlin and he has like five grandfather clocks and Chase Elliott, because mm-hmm. not only is he the most recent winner at Martinsville from last fall, but Hendrick Motorsports has been really, 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 really good there for a really long time. And he's got the, the extra weapon of Chad Knaus no longer being a crew chief, but being yeah. a president of competition at Hendrick Motorsports. Chad's kind of good and has a few of those grandfather clocks, too. <laughs> uh, I, I think you're going to see a very much renewed. Hendrick Motorsports effort um, at Martinsville and we're going to see that team somewhat dominate uh, over the course of the day I think you'll see all four cars run really well there but I do think I just have a funny feeling that we've been waiting for the nine to be a cut above the rest and I think this is the race where the nine is a cut above the rest and if you uh, wanted to go ahead and, and threaten me and say pick somebody that's who I'm going with I say Chase Elliott wins next Saturday night.
1: Okay. Well, Jacob, you mentioned going eight for eight. That's a reference to that. We're, we're, we've we gone seven races with seven different winners so far this year, which is the first time since 2014, um, which is just really incredible. And like you said, Chase Elliott, defending champion, hasn't won. Denny Hamlin, who leads the points, hasn't, hasn't won, which that's the we- Like, I don't know how far back you'd have to go to find. Yeah. The guy who's led for six of the seven weeks hasn't won a race when was the last time that happened um so uh also also with 2014 the seventh different winner which was a texas race which was rain delayed to monday
0: monday was joey
1: who who, who, yeah joey logano so uh history doesn't uh repeat it rhymes i I, I like that nugget um is it so um you know what are your crow what are your thoughts about going to martinsville
2: Honestly, I'm kind of clueless on this one. Like, I was just thinking, it's like, if you ask me who to pick, I'll say, well, you said Martin Truex. His first name is Martin. It's Martinsville. There we go.
0: <laughs> I like his logic.
1: Did any, I don't think anyone made that joke when he won last year, did they? Jacob, did anyone say Martin wins at Martinsville?
0: <laughs> uh, somebody did. It wasn't me. I thought about it, but I didn't want to be that guy. And then somebody else ended up doing it, but I can't remember who it was. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm, you, you said you bring up, you know, Hendrick being really good. I think this is going to be an interesting opportunity to see what, Kyle Larson can do at Martinsville because it's not really historically been one of his best tracks. Um,
0: uh, It's not historically been a track that's been overly good for Chip Ganassi racing either. So I I just don't know that, that Kyle's ever been in a position where he's had the best stuff to go out and try and do something at Martinsville. And he's going to have an opportunity to to do that next weekend. And I think we'll, uh, it'll be a good gauge on what his potential, I think, for, for the year and going into the summer will be, if he can go out and perform well at a track that he hasn't historically been his best at, you know, good grief, the sky's the limit, right? Yeah,
2: yeah I, I don't know if it's going to be Martinsville, but I just have that gut feeling like he's got another win coming up soon. Like, I think he's probably going to be the first two-time winner of the season.
1: Well, what's What's after Martinsville, Jacob? Martinsville Do you have to top
0: here? is rich no yes richmond and okay yeah all right
1: so yeah we got two short tracks coming up so okay
0: we go i think we go martinsville then richmond and then talladega if i remember right and then some combination of dover and kansas before we go to coda
1: okay so yeah larson has a one at richmond it was actually the first track he won it that wasn't a two-mile track a cup
0: so
1: So, he's got that going for him um so um I'm, I, if you remember correctly, uh, Jacob, last year this Martin the Martinsville race that was the like the most glaring example in a a a non practice world where teams just straight up missed it, and the guys who were at the front just dropped like rocks. It's been, like specifically, Jenny Hammond was one. Um, he, they, they were out to lunch. It was fascinating to watch. Um, I, I think we were, we're deep into the post-practice world that that probably won't happen this time. What do you think? Yeah,
0: I, I don't think it'll happen this time. I think we've gotten to a point where these guys have, know now what they need to roll off the trailer with to not have that problem or at least have that problem far less. And uh, you know, I I think uh, we'll see a lot more of the guys that you expect to be towards the front, towards the front, a lot sooner in uh, in this return visit to Martinsville. I don't think we saw uh, what we saw in the in the race um, in the midweek race last summer. Um, I don't I don't feel like we really saw that in the fall race either. So I think these guys have have pretty well gotten. To the point where they've mastered what they need to roll off the truck with to be, you know, solid in that first stage and just uh, continually get better on it.
1: So, okay, so my, my pick's Martin Truex, your pick is Chase Elliott, and Crow, you're going with Truex too because his first name's Martin. Yes. Okay, but let's just want to make sure that's all on the record. So, <laughs> all right, man. Uh, so, I think, I think. It's, a, it's an off week so there's not a whole lot to talk about um so uh jacob thank you for for joining us for this special episode to recap of the you know what, what one of the biggest days nascar's had in many many years so um what, any any closing thoughts on martinsville and where can people find you online and on uh, social media
0: Ooh, closing thoughts about Martinsville. I can't tell you who it's going to be, but I think somebody's going to jump up and surprise us with a really good day um, at Martinsville. Um, I, like I said, I really, I, I don't have a good idea as to who that might be yet, but look look for surprises. It's a short track. It's easier for those things to happen, kind of like a super speedway event. Um, and then for me, um, as far as the day-to-day um Day-to-day work either speedsport.com or sprintcaradmin.com for uh, for my dirt co- dirt coverage and, and grassroots coverage on that side of things. And I am I do not lurk on Facebook like most of the general populace, but I do lurk plenty on uh, on Twitter. And anybody that wants to follow me on there can do so at JacobSealman seventy-seven. What's the
1: seventy-seven a to reference to?
0: 77 is uh, a reference to actually the car number, and, and you, you, my, you, you got the history lesson out of me in my closing thought that I didn't get to earlier. So yeah. um, for, for those that, uh, that don't know or haven't seen the whole story on Twitter before, um, my grandparents, Ray and Diane DeWitt, co-owned what was the U.S. Air Jasper Engines uh, Cup car with DK Ulrich that Ted Musgrave drove in the early 1990s and then expanded into a Bush operation, now Xfinity, with Tim Bidwa um, 94, 95-ish, and after we sold that off, it went from 55 to 77 when Jasper bought the team outright and then sold it to Roger Penske, which the 77 later became what's now the 12th car that Ryan Blaney drives, but so originally my Twitter handle would have been 55 because I, I wanted the original car number. But when that wasn't available for whatever reason, at the time I joined Twitter, I was like, I'll go for second best since it became the 77 and it just kind of stuck.
1: So, so, so there, someone had to seal in 55 for some reason?
0: I, for for whatever reason, yeah, what it was huh. the 55 wasn't available, but 77 was. So I was just like, yeah, it, it works. And and you know, I, ever, ever since then, i It's kind of it's kind of stuck and and been, you know, what has been a that number's kind of been associated with uh, with most of my social handles. In fact, I've got a um, I have got i have got a little asphalt road course go kart back at home in my dad's garage that I pull out to run every once in a while. And it had, it had uh, 55 for our car, car number at first. And I changed it to 77 just because I wanted it to match the social handles and it looked cool. So. All
1: right. That's cool, man. Well, again, thank you for gracing us with your presence. Um, what, what are your off week plans?
0: No off week plans. Um, I am going to chill out, take a break. Uh, I'll tell you, I was worn out getting home from Bristol. So yeah. I- I'm actually glad to have this week to kind of kind of rest up and not have to feel like I've got my nose to the grindstone cranking out content every 20 minutes. I'll probably uh, sit back, uh, catch the the two World of Outlaws races this weekend on, uh, on Dirt Vision Online. And other than that, uh, just kind of chill out and get some rest and gear up for Martinsville I'm actually going up to Martinsville too so it'll okay. be the first time in a long time I've done back-to-back uh back-to-back NASCAR weekends so uh that I am really looking forward to
1: all right well again thank thank you Jacob this, is, this has been fun um we will try to get you back on here uh deeper in the season so thanks man
0: sounds good I appreciate it man